Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 90? We're in the back of the handout. On the second point is where we're going to begin today. We've taken a long runway to lead up to here. Next week I intend for us to take another overview of Psalm 90 and go back and write and state right there in the psalm and see the things that we haven't touched. But we've been taking one of the major themes. Psalm 90 takes the everlasting God, his eternality, and, he, and, it, and it puts it against the frailty and the sinfulness and the temporal nature of our earthly life. And it reminds us of the brevity of life. And it's with that brevity of life, we've taken that focus and that theme, and we've asked ourselves the question, how should understanding the brevity of life, what do the scriptures tell us we should do to shape our priorities properly, given that understanding? And so uh, we looked at that leading up to it, and last week at that first page, on the, I mean the back page, the first point, the brevity of life should diminish our efforts to strive after the wealth and the things of this world. We reminded ourselves, we didn't bring anything into this world, we're not going to take anything out of the world. And then we looked extensively as an illustration to Luke 12, where Jesus reminded his disciples and the crowd that was listening that we must beware of covetousness. We must be aware of greed. And it's the culture we live in, and it's very easy to get lost up in that. And while we are to enjoy the things that God has given to us, we also don't want the things that God has given to us and allowed us to have to own us. For he bought us with a price, and we are his. And so that's a difficult balance for us to maintain. And, and Jesus warned us there. In Luke 5, 12, 15, he said, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. And we talked about how we have to be honest. We're very easily greedy, and we don't even realize that it's crept into our lives. Um, I, I'm guilty on so many fronts, I don't even know where to start, but I only like share just the tip of the iceberg, because God knows all the rest, and I don't certainly want you to know it. But um, I said to Judy just the other day, the other night. Let's see, we could walk to get our exercise, or we could go to Mr. Goody's. Would you like to go to Mr. Goody's? <laughs> she looked at me and said, yes. Okay. Well, I don't think that's sinful. But was there, did, did any greed come involved? Yeah, I, I went to Mr. Goody's, and my absolute intention was to get an ice cream cone. What do you think I got? A hot fudge sundae with almonds and whipped creams and cherries, and it was about this big. Uh, someplace there I crossed over into greed. You see what I'm getting at, how, how easy it slips in? Now, I'm not saying if you eat a hot fudge Sunday, that's wrong, but I just want you to see why would Jesus say, guard your heart, guard your heart against all matter of greed. It's just so easy, isn't it? And so that, that was the point he was making. And he, and he said it's because in, in verse 19 of, of Luke 12 that um, our flesh wants to take it easy. We want an easy life. And again, if we're honest, we would all have to say amen to that. We, we do want a, a, an easy 
life. And then he spoke in that parable about the rich man, you remember? And he said, this very night your soul is required of you. This is the man that had to keep getting more and more and more, tear down the barns, big up, big, be, build bigger barns. And this is Jesus' epithet on that. He says, this very night your soul is required. And now, who will own all that you have prepared or labored for? So is the man that stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He lost sight of the brevity of life. He lost sight that he isn't ultimately uh, the owner. And so we let that sink in and how we have to allow the, the resources that we have to be um, not own us, but that we see ourselves as a steward uh, for, the, for the glory of Christ by laying up treasures in heaven rather than here on the earth. So that's what we did. I want you to, we're going to look at points two and three. You're looking at Psalm 90. Let's read part of it. We, we see the um, eternity of God here, the prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, everlasting from everlasting, you are God. And then he re- reminds us of, of who we are. Verse 3, you turn man back into dust. And in verse 4 it says, uh, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past. Look down at verse 9. For all of our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. This is how quick our years go. It's like this. Huh, it's done. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. He's seen even our secret sins, which is why we must have God's mercy and grace, literally God's salvation. And So Moses, as he, as he pens this, he, he states there in verse 10, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80, yet there is pride, Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon they are gone and we fly away. Look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present it to you, a heart of wisdom. And so, so, so we, we see that. And point number two in your handout says, The brevity of life should motivate us to seek after God, gaining a heart of wisdom. Kathy noted for us this morning the stark difference between the world and a believer, the world and Christianity. And we should be ever uh, aware of that and, and not try to be chameleons, not try to fit in, not try to be like the world. We've been called to be a peculiar people zealous to good works. And, and, and that has been the call, and that should shape our priorities. There's, 
there's this wisdom that we should look for, this wisdom of God, which is completely contrary to the wisdom of the world, isn't it? It's completely contrary. Uh, they're not even close to being the same. Uh, there's God's glory, which comes as we, as we gravitate to and pursue a heart full of wisdom, God's wisdom. And when we look at the world's glory, the world's glory is always connected to self, to man. Man wants to glorify himself. Man thinks he is God. He even thinks he'll, he'll live forever. At least he's trying to. Man's goal apart from God, I think, sums it up so well in the song that Frank Sinatra is famous for. Familiar with that song? My way. Yeah, my way. My way. See, the flesh and the world want to do things whose way? My way. Are you familiar with that song? I'm not going to read all the lyrics, but I want you to think about the brevity of life and, and the fact that at the end of that life, there's the judgment. And, and think of this song. He died at 82. He, he had an extra 12 years, I, I guess, Frank Sinatra. It, it begins like this. It was, it was the theme of his 80th birthday party. All the celebrities from Hollywood came, and he had a chance to bellow it out and sing it one more time as, as the world just screamed its approval. And here's what he sang. And now the end is here, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life, it's full. I've traveled each and every highway, and much, much more. I did it my way. Any of you want to stand before God and say that? You, you want that to be your song on, on your last day? Uh, the second one says, hey, I, I've had regrets. I've, I've had a few, but they're too few to mention. I mean, God doesn't take sin seriously. There were just little things that were wrong, no big deal. Yeah, there are a few regrets. But I saw them through without exception. I made up for them. I did it my way. Yeah, there was times when I knew I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, but I ate it up and spit it out, and I did it my way. Uh, do, you, do you see that's, that's the world around you? That's, that's worldly wisdom. Do you, do you see how contrary that is to a meek and crud, contrite spirit? Do, do, you see how, do you see how different that is? But you need to know that's the culture that we live in. That's the culture that the kids are being brought up in. This is how he ends that song. For what is man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. I attest to you, my friend, it's only Christ in me where there's any hope for glory. Amen? I'm thankful that I am dead to sin and died in Christ and am raised to walk in newness and life for him forever, aren't you? But you must understand there's an undercurrent there that's trying to pull you down to that kind of worldly wisdom. And there's a day of reckoning coming. And so we must be so careful and guard our hearts from covetousness and 
and seek point two there to apply our hearts to wisdom. I'm not going to go into wisdom and spend any longer in this point because it really comes out of our study just a few months ago of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. So we already learned what biblical wisdom is. Let me just recite this. I should have put it in the handout, I guess. But wisdom in Scripture is a broad term that may be summarized as right living or living life as God intended it to be lived according to his scripture and in the fear and love of the Lord. It's pursuing Christ. It's, it's looking to live under the authority of his, of his word, by his grace, of course, by his power, empowered by the Spirit. And so this is one of the things that we should be always taking and let it shape our priorities and be careful of the invasion of the culture. Look at point three. The brevity of life should lead us to use our lives and all that we have for the glory of God. We're to to use our lives. I I pulled a verse out, a couple of verses from 1 Chronicles for um, a reason. I'd like you to go there if you don't mind so that you can look at the other verses surrounding it. But in 1 Chronicles, you know, David wants to build a temple for the Lord. That's a good motive. He wants to do it, but it wasn't what God wanted him to do. God wanted his son Solomon to build the temple. Are you with me? Do you remember that? But David said, okay, I don't want worldly wisdom. I want to do what God wants. And so David said, I want to make sure that my son can be successful and build a glorious temple. And so he prepared all the material and everything that would be needed for Solomon to build the temple. And so he called the people together and, and called them to the great task of, of giving of their resources so that Solomon, his son, could build the temple. And that's the context here of the verses I have in your handout. I just want you to note, because it's so important we grasp this, but who am I... And who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? David had to ask them to stop giving. They had more than they could use. And yet David recognizes the only reason that they have anything is because of God. Look what he goes on to say. For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants... And all our fathers were, our days on the earth are like a shadow. Do you see the brevity of life in that? He understands. The days of our life are like a shadow. It it was the same with the generations before us. And if we have anything, it's all of you. We are nothing. You are everything. What a perspective David had. What a perspective we need to have. Look what it goes on to say. It goes on to say, Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, underscore this in your mind, it is from your hand and it's all yours. One of the things that we must keep in mind in the brevity of life, that all that we have and all that we are belongs to him. 
Think of the great words of salvation. We were redeemed. What does redeemed mean? It means that we were purchased. We were bought out of the marketplace of sin. We were redeemed. We were reconciled. What does reconciled mean? Reconciled means that we were once an enemy of God, and the wrath of God abided on us and was being held back by his mercy. But through the blood of his cross and the sacrifice of his son, we were drawn near and reconciled to him that we are now friends. And we were then adopted into his family and have become sons and daughters, his children. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thing. But can you see we're not our own? We're not our own, and nothing that we have is our own. Nothing that we have, there's not a gift, there's not a talent. These children were beautiful, and obviously had received a lot of training. But they didn't decide who their parents would be. They didn't decide they would be brought up in this country. They didn't decide what mind they would have. They didn't decide what opportunities they would have. And the same is true with you and me. It's all of God, all that we have. And that's a perspective that is easy to lose in this culture and with the plenty. And we need to have the viewpoint properly that we're stewards and not owners. I put that down there. We're stewards, not owners, who will give an account of our stewardship. We'll give an account. And we have a brief life. And so we should use our resources for the glory of God. That's laying up treasure in heaven where, where it won't be dissipated by wrath, by rust, and by moths but where it will accumulate. We're to invest in others. How do you invest in others? You can invest in others this morning. We, we invest first in the body of Christ, and then we go out and we invest in, in the world. Yeah, do you know, a, a wise man many years ago said that ministry is simply connecting resources with needs. That's what ministry is. And we are all to be ministers. Every single one of us have resources. You have spiritual resources. God has taught you things from his word. You have emotional resources that have come from maturity as the spirit has built you up in the faith. You have relational gifts. You have spiritual gifts. You have financial gifts. You, you have all kinds of resources, and we're to use those resources by meeting needs. So that makes it obvious then we need to find out what are the needs. Well, how do we find out the needs if we don't connect with each other, we don't become friends with each other, we don't talk with each other, and we find out how we can take the resource that God has given me. Maybe you saw these kids up here today and you thought to yourself, I've got kids and I can't even get them to sit at the piano for three minutes. I wonder how they did that. Well, apparently there's some parents that have a resource and you have a need. Why don't you talk to those parents and see if that bridge can't be gapped? That would just be one simple thing that I'm talking about. And so that's the reason for the body. Why do we have these fellowship groups? And why do we have small groups? Because it's too hard to be a best friend with 700 people. Amen? But you can be in a smaller group 
and then in a smaller group. And then together you can see the needs and the resources and you can put them together for the glory of God and you invest them. You not only invest them in one another, but you invest them in this church. Thank you. Judy thanks you. Do you, do you like my jacket? Please say yes. Okay, all right, thank you. Made me nervous. Do you like the tie? I want to give you a balance. You ready? The jacket's brand new. I bought it at JCPenney's. That's because they don't have a Sears sucker around here anymore. But they got a JCPenney. Okay, so it's not, not too expensive. Got it on sale. This tie is really special to me. I buy ties like crazy. You know, I've got so many ties. No, that's a lie. This is the tie that I took to New Zealand with me. It was the, I only had so many clothes. I, I took one tie to New Zealand with me when we helped transition that church. We went there for six weeks. You sent us. This was the tie. This tie is, is now 14 years old. Looks as good as new, doesn't it? For all of you that think you have to have new clothes all the time, there it is, 14 years old. I'm still wearing it today. Looks pretty good. Don't you think it looks pretty good? Huh? Yeah. Uh, but do you see my point? Probably not. I don't even know that I see it. <laughs> I just wanted you to compliment my tie. But we're to, we're to use our resources and invest them in one another um, for, for the glory of God. And we send treasure ahead. And we send treasure ahead by investing in this local church. Yeah, I'm ending with a giving sermon. You need to give. You need to give generously. Uh, there's no sense of, you're not going to take your 401k and all the rest. You're not, you're not going to take it to glory with you. But you know you can send it to glory ahead of time. You can give generously. Uh, we're not in bad shape. We don't need money. Other than the fact that we could use a new building. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's where I was going. You bought the jacket. Thank you. I thank you often. I thank the Lord for you. You pay my light bill. You pay for the gasoline I put in my vehicle. And the same for Pastor Farrell and for the rest of us men. You, you, you pay for Michael and Maymay to be over there in China. That comes through faithful and sacrificial giving. And do you recognize that every single time you invest in that, it's the opposite of investing in that which is temporal. You just invested in something that is eternal. Eternal in the heavens, never to fade, and it'll last forever and meet you at the beam seat. When we think deeply about things like that, and we consider the brevity of life, how much time do you have left? How are you investing your life? How are you, how are you making sure that you're using your gifts and your talents for the glory of God? How are you making sure you're not being overtaken by the culture? That you're not letting covetousness or greed sneak in? These are honest and soul-searching questions, aren't they? But they're questions worthy to be asked. And they're, and they're, and they're beautiful questions because they help align us to where we want to be, that we'd have a heart full of wisdom and a life that would glorify God. I hope you'll pray for me that I'll live the rest of my days, whether they be few or many, that way. And I'm praying for you that you will live your life that way the rest of these days. Now, next week, we'll take another overlook at, at Psalm 90 and see what a beautiful finish this psalm has. God bless you. You are dismissed.